Blog Talk Radio. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woohoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! Woohoo! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files. This is Tom Donaldson with Coco Koski. It's Wednesday. It's a week from the election, or actually six days till election. Uh, so we're going to uh, basically we're going to talk about three things tonight. We're going to basically talk about the various battleground states, Senate races, give our predictions for the election. Uh, we are also going to talk about last night's uh, Dodgers World Series. Because Coco is from LA, and I know she's all excited. Are you all, are you excited about the Dodgers winning the World Series? Uh, duh. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not even a question. That's not even a question. <laughs> you know what? We should start off with that. Let's just start off with that because um, I will tell you there is a reason why when the Dodgers are playing, I don't watch. Now this has this tradition has started about seven years ago, where I realized I am a complete jinx. Um, it happens anytime, anytime I'm in my room, um, you know, I basically somehow managed to jinx it, Tom. Don't ask me mm. why. I don't know. Maybe I'm cursed. I have no idea. All I know is that uh, a couple years ago when the Falcons were playing, um, you know, I – they were playing against the the Pats, and at that time I was a I was a Patriots fan. And we're at a bar, and my friend's like, "You're gonna jinx this." I was like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "You do you do this all the time. Anytime our team is playing, and you somehow stay in the room, they end up losing." So I was like, "Okay, well let's see." Um, so I decided to leave. I decided to go home. And as they basically, our team was like really, really losing to the point where they know if it was going to, you know, they were going to make it. I literally leave and the next couple minutes they start scoring again and they ultimately won. So, um, and this has happened as well with my bulldogs. I have done the same thing. So, um, well, we were watching the base. I was watching the baseball or whatever, you know, and I kept saying, like, they kept, like, losing, and I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to watch it at all. And what happens? They won the World Series. So um, I think there's some logic to that in the fact there's a reason why I do not watch baseball if my team is playing. Well, I yeah, I – I guess I, I – like I said, I watch no matter what. I, uh, of course, in the case of baseball, I've been following the Royals for the last three or four years. Uh, but I, you know, they've lost so many games, you can't blame the jinx on that one. But uh, uh, but I, I think here's the thing. Uh, you know, what I, to me, one of the more interesting aspects about well, the entire playoffs 
was Clay Kershaw. I think finally got rid of that curse that he's always been. It's like in the past, you know, he's he's always been the guy who great season never produces in the playoffs. Yeah, but lately, but this playoff, he was four and one. He won two games in the World Series, and I, I like. I mean, in a way, I, you know, this guy's been one of the great pitchers of our you know for the past decade, and in a way, it's kind of nice to be able to say, you know, Clay. Congratulations, the curse is gone. Because of this particular uh, playoff, the total playoff, you know, four and one. So he pitched well throughout the playoffs and certainly, you know, won two World Series games. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, All I know is that the Dodgers won the World Series, and I'm very happy. Uh, well, you should be. I mean, they... I I, I literally screamed. I mean, it's been forever. It's, it's, the Dodgers have not won a World Series since I was born, Tom. Eighty-eight. That's right. You know. It, yeah. It's a uh, it's a big deal. Well, that's true. I mean, like I say, it's and you got to This is one of the premier you know franchises in Major League Baseball. Uh, and, right. Uh, you know, because when I grew up, you know, in the fifties and early sixties. You know, it's first with you know Brooklyn, then L.A. Dodgers, and they were always competing for World. I mean, they were always competing for the World Series in the fifties. But in the case of the fifties, they always had the Yankees uh, to go up against. But you go into you know the fifties. I mean, the fifties always had the Yankees. Always seemed to be always the obstacle in the course uh, when they finally broke through in nineteen fifty-five, and then of course in nineteen sixty-three, they swept the Yankees four games to zero. Mm-hmm. So. But there was all. I mean, I mean, throughout the fifties and the sixties, there were always, as I grown up as a team, you could count on, you know, fighting for the World Series, uh, uh, being the title. Then, obviously, of course, the Tommy Lasorda days of the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, right. And, and of course, go ahead. No, no, I agree. I mean, you yeah. know, it was. Uh... It was a really good moment yesterday because I was having such a like a weird day. I was I was really exhausted. I have no idea why. And all of a sudden, like I hear the Yankees. I was like Yankees. My God, the Dodgers won, and I was like over the moon, man. I was so happy. You have no idea. Well, you know the 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 other thing that comes into play here is that uh, you know in the seventh inning, I mean, and I have no idea how this happened. I mean, think about it. You're Justin Turner, 35 years old. You got you're about two innings away from winning the World Series, and suddenly somebody comes up. They say, "Sorry, you got to get out of the game. You got COVID." And you're like, "What?" Yeah, you know, he he had obviously a sense of Yeah, that was. He, yeah. That was a bit crazy, right? Yeah. It was totally crazy. I'm, first of all, number one, you know, what system do you have when you decide, you know, hey. Oh, well, oh, by the way, uh, here we're seventh inning. Uh, you're, I mean, this would be like taking LeBron James out in the fourth quarter and say, LeBron, you guys sit out the rest of the game. Because uh, you got COVID. Right. I mean, I have no idea how that got through or passed through. You know, course, I honestly I'm, don't know. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, too, he came out, he basically <laughs> – 
he basically, you know, he, he came back out to celebrate with the team uh, afterwards. And, like, you know, and I don't, it's kind of an interesting to me. There's a lot of things involved in all of this because problem you have with the testing system, and I would love to know if somebody can call in 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130, because the other problem you have with some of these te- in this testing is that I use the word cycles, and for those that means in effect is the number of cycles you get to you find evidence of an infection. The higher the cycle, the less infection you get, and there's a point where you're not even infectious at all. And you well, have okay, what about what are the, the, there was also the case, Tom, where I forgot I was like an NBA player who, who got tested positive for COVID and he was okay, and then like he was feeling okay, right? And he didn't know yeah. he had it at the time, and he was touching like the mic, shaking people's hands. Do you remember that? And yeah, that's he, a, like, he really, ended up really like, good. Yeah, the set, the yeah and he ended yeah. up like getting COVID. So you may not feel it at first, but it's there. Yeah. And like I said, everybody's well, symptoms are different. Everybody, everybody's, everybody's way uh, having yeah. it is different. Not everybody's going to feel the same. Well, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying the thing that comes into play here is I'm not, is in this, you know, is like, Again, I would love to know what the major league, you know, professional leagues, what they have, because if they have a test and they have a certain cycles, what those cycles are. And but, I'm you know, what's funny, what's, yeah. what's funny about the whole thing is, well, it's not funny, but um, how the NBA is like a bubble, like, no, you know, and I think um, how baseball is, it's completely run differently than the NBA. I, I honestly believe yeah. that for sure when it comes to COVID. Because they're in a bubble with the when you're in the NBA, you're like in a bubble, and I'm pretty sure they're in a bubble. The baseball people are in the bubble as well, but I mean, it must not be as much as let's say you were playing uh, for the NBA. Yeah. Well, hold on. Yeah, hold on. I thought because yeah, well, this is Tom Donaldson, Coco Konsky here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. National News Radio Show with your host, L.A. Baxter. The show discusses issues of race, politics, policing, injustice, inequality, religion, sports that affect brown, black, and poor people negatively. Listen live every Monday and Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at blocktalkradio.com la Bachelor, And the rebroadcast every day, 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Hey, you interested in having your own show? Advertising, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and stay informed. If you got any comments or questions tonight, uh, you can call in at 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130. And our show is 3 a.m., 10 a.m. every day on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. That's also midnight Pacific time and 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, so you can listen to us every day. You can listen to us to a Block Talk Radio 
dash la dash bachelor tuesday and wednesday 6 p.m eastern standard time 3 p.m pacific la cocoa time all right all right <laughs> yes. right. well here's that here's why the thing is the difference between baseball now basketball they all stayed in the same location El orlando they had two arenas that was it in right. baseball during the, reg- the regular season they traveled to uh, base the baseball stadiums each deal. So it's like 30 games at home, 30 games away. And then during the right. playoffs, during, during the playoffs, they they basically had uh, San Diego, L.A., and, and uh, Arlington, Texas. So they had the games in mm-hmm. different locations, in different locations, and, and then the championship was at the Arlington Stadium. So right. So they, you know, it's like as you get closer, they got into that, and uh, but uh, but just the emphasis of the thing to me is this: is that we, I mean, since March, you know, you've had boxing, MAA, hockey, basketball, baseball, NFL, and they've all had different methodologies. Uh, and so far, I mean, the the good news to me is, and this to me, I look at it as the good news, is that. You know, healthy athletes, you know, not only did they, you know, basically nobody got, you know, I'm going to use the word mild cases, asymptomatic. Nobody had anything more than mild cases. Some had asymptomatic. Some did feel the illness. Uh, they had a time protocol that you had to be off. But nobody was hospitalized. So I know during baseball, the Cardinals, they lost about almost a full week. I think the Marlins, Marlin, uh, the Florida Marlins was as well. But, you know, I, I, I kind of look at it this way. I said, you know, in the final analysis, you look at this, you say, well, you know what? It's not necessarily a deficit. You know, you know people went on with their life. They survived. They did well. Uh, you know, they got the season done. The NFL is going to finish their season. Uh, and, I, yeah, and to me, it's more – I kind of look at it as a positive as opposed to a negative. Your thoughts? I mean, I don't think COVID's a positive. <laughs> well, I mean, no, when I say positive, I mean, but I mean, here's the thing. You're looking at disease, and probably we're now looking at, you know, if you looked in March, we were looking at the Spanish flu. So today we're looking at a flu, a virus that basically no, we're not. Per th- it's not the flu, Tom. It's not the flu, though. It's not the flu. Some people don't know it's not. No, I said. It's here's the, what I stated. Here's what I'm trying to state is this: we're looking at a, a virus that kills two to three per thousand. The flu for the past decade, one per thousand. This is very similar to the pandemic as far as lethality goes. Mm-hmm. And and the question like, is, I, I I just found out a friend of mine was hospitalized. She's really young. She's yeah. like in her twenties. Yeah. And yeah. um. And, you know, she has no underlying health issues, and she's right now in the hospital yeah. because of COVID. Yeah, I'm not going to say, yeah, but here's the thing. Cases with the flu, because, uh, I mean, if you look at the statistical data, you know, the younger you are, the less likely you're going to be impacted versus COVID. The older you are, it's the complete opposite. It's a different virus in how it interacts. It doesn't necessarily mean uh that if you're young, you're not going to get it. It's that you're going to less likely have an adverse event, very similar to, let's say, you may, if you're at the age of 75 with more uh, comorbidity. 
doesn't mean you won't. It just simply means that the that there's less possibility. Yeah, I, I guess. Well, like I said, I, I have thinking, a friend of mine. I, I like I yeah. said, I have a friend of mine right now who is in yeah. a hospital in Atlanta, and she has like no health issues. She's like 26, Tom. It's not, you yeah. know. I'm, I'm just saying, but I mean, I'm gonna say statistically speaking, uh, she's an out. She's the exception to the rule for her age. You know, that's just a, you know, it's a, it's a, it doesn't it just, you know, it's not you know, it doesn't help her that much, but it's that statistic on this. And, and, I don't think she's going to care about statistics when she's lying in the hospital. You know, I mean, no. I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a shit no. about statistics if like I'm in the hospital with COVID. It's like, well, hello. Yeah, but the other side of the equation is, you know, what we're talking about. Do you close and do you continue the economic restrictions? All that when you look at the overall data and figure out like these baseball players have demonstrated that mm-hmm. young health on the average will not, you know, you know, on the average didn't go to the hospital. They had mild cases and many of them recovered fairly quickly. And that's the question that comes into play. Uh, right. Uh, so, right. All right. Uh, I'll let you have the last word. Then we want to go to your story and then we're going to go to the election. Oh, story. Yes. That's actually a really yeah. yeah. It's a funny one, guys. You guys should stay tuned for that one because when I read it, I was like, "What hero?" Um, no, like, like I know people like who've had it. I know like kids who've had it. Like, I'm I'm in a group on Facebook, and it's a group about you know women who um have you know whether they're seeing someone with kids. So you know, um, it's kind of like a stepmom group and. I got to tell you, some of the stuff that I see on there is, like, really scary. Like, a lot of them aren't concerned with COVID and, like, just let their kids, like, have sleepovers. And I'm like, holy F. And there was one woman on that group whose son contracted COVID, right? Yeah. And now, if I knew who she was, I probably would have called. Not probably, I would have. I I, pro- I don't know. I would probably have called the health department on her if I if I knew like who she was and where she lived, because she decided like oh well her son got tested positive for COVID, but she decided to send him to school anyways. Mm-hmm. And to me, yeah. that is like holy crap. Um, yeah. that is just like you know what yeah. why. You know, um, well, so honestly, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that because that'd be the, almost the same thing to me. You know, in the past, if you had somebody, a child with the flu, a child with a fever, or anything, if a child has a fever, you don't send them. In, you don't send them to school. And certainly, if they have COVID, you, yeah, you, you keep yeah, them, you keep I mean, them kids at home. like four. Kids like fourteen, fifteen years old, something around there. But I read that and I was like, holy, I. Like, I, I don't even I don't even have a response for that really because it's just like it's so asinine. Like it's it's just first of all it's like bad parenting one oh one. I mean, if your child's sick, like, you know, you you stay home with them and you take care of them until they get better. You don't send them to school, especially with COVID. Um but that post actually became viral and I was like, Oh my God. And so, um, when I read that, I was like, I mean, but a lot of the parents, like they just don't, 
they don't think like, oh, well, my kid can't get it. And it's like, well, no, like I, I've known like, like personally, like one or two kids that like in high school that have had it. So to think like, well, well, you're never, your kid's not going to get it. it, It's just, it's just like, it's just asinine because like Uh I've seen it (laughs) and you don't send your kid to school if he has COVID. Like, I don't understand that. Like I, I literally, like if I knew who she was, like I'm not a doxing person, but I definitely would have um, called the health department on her or CPS, something like that, because she's knowingly ignoring the risk. Yeah. All right. I'll tell you what we'll do. It's, you know, now, let me, let's begin with your story. Uh, yeah. Read this okay. Story. This is crazy. This is a crazy story. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, um, let me get to it. So there is a woman. This is from WBRZ.com. I'm guessing it's somewhere in the Midwest because it's affiliate of ABC2. Um, So this broke in October 27th today. Um, A woman allegedly impersonated a prosecutor to drop charges against herself. Um, Okay, I was right. Midwest sort of. New Hampshire. Littleton, New Hampshire. A woman is accused of pretending to be a prosecutor and submitting paperwork dropping stalking and drug charges against herself, according to an indictment handed down this month. Lisa Landon, 33. She looks like she's 50. What? Sorry, that took me by surprise. Um, Was arrested after she allegedly submitted false documents in three separate court cases last November and December under the guise of a prosecutor. In some instances, she even used the electronic court system to file documents. Officials first became suspicious when a state forensic examiner who was scheduled to evaluate Landon's, comp- Landon's basically uh, mental state for trial noticed that her charges had been dropped and questioned if they should move forward with the evaluation. The indictment also says Landon falsified a decision from a retired New Hampshire judge to waive filing fees in a lawsuit she brought against the Hillsborough County government. She also is accused of filing an order on behalf of a relative to halt guardianship proceedings involving her child. She now faces a charge of false personation and six charges of falsifying physical evidence. I mean, <laughs> Wow. Um, Yeah, so when I read that, I was just like, is she a hero or just, like, really mentally disturbed? She could be both. I don't know. Um, Because that's, like, the thing. That's, like, a movie. This is, like, a plot of a movie. Um, You know, remember that Leonardo DiCaprio movie uh, where he he pretended to be all these people and, like, he falsified documents and um, catch me if you can. The movie's called Catch Me If You Can. I mean, this is just like the female version of Catch Me If You Can, pretty much. And so, you know, when I was reading this, I still can't get over the fact she's 33. She's like a year older than me, and she looks like she could be my mother. I, um, but that's another story. Um, I, I just think this is like pretty crazy. I don't know about you, Tom, but it is like, it's just one of those stories that you read and you're kind of in disbelief and you're just like, you know, 
how how did this how did this happen? Because I don't know how this happened. Um. Well, obviously, I hope she you know faces whatever you know indictment she deserves because this is just like this is just ridiculous. And it does it does seem like she does have mental issues because I don't think a sane person would be doing this. I don't think a sane yeah, person I, at all would think. First of all, how the, first of all, how the hell did she even, like, I mean, yeah. she had to have some contacts to be able to pull this off. There's yeah. no way she could have done this by herself. But, yeah, well, here's, let me, let me throw this back to you, because and then we'll continue this after the break. But here's what I want you to think about. She obviously, you know, whether or not she, you know, played with a full deck, she's playing with enough of a deck to pull this thing off. And my question, I'm going right. to go back, and you can come back, is this woman obviously has enough talent to go in, figure this out, and get it done, and basically keep the thing hidden, you know, for like months at a time. So, I don't know. All right, this is Tom Donaldson, Coco Kosky here on the Donaldson Files and the Bastion News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for media flu. Is I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, this is Tom Donaldson, uh, Coco Kosky, back here. Welcome back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, if you want to participate in the show, call the following number, 646-929-0130. And don't forget, you can listen to our show every day on the bachelornews.airtime.pro, 3 a.m., 10 a.m., Every day, or if you're on Cocoa Time, midnight and 7 a.m. So, all right, before we get into the political side of everything, uh, let me, I mean, the question I want to throw back to you this uh-huh. is not a stupid person. I mean, whether or not well, she's Well, no, I didn't say she is. I just said she's probably mentally disturbed. I mean, I have a mental illness, but I'm not going to go in around like, and if I was in trouble, like, I wouldn't, like, go through that much trouble. Like, Jesus Christ. I wouldn't do that. Like, so she definitely has something wrong with her or some type of, you know, maybe bipolar or, or kind of like um, personality disorder. I mean, to do that, like a normal person doesn't do that. I mean, I'm not even normal and I wouldn't do that. So um, yeah, yeah, I don't, Um, I want to bring up something really quick, really quick. And I want to get your opinion on it. So um, the only reason I use Facebook, to be honest, um, is not to talk to relatives, 
not to. I mean, I have friends on there that I haven't seen forever, so I do keep in touch with them. But I'm really into the Facebook groups. Like, you can find a Facebook group for about anything, whether it's, like, a shaming ring proposal group or, you know, a bridal group. And so I found this through another group that I'm in. This woman posted she's getting married, and, you know, she wanted to surprise her. Her fiancé didn't want to know what dress she picked. It wanted to be a surprise. So, you know, she goes on this group and she posts her wedding, her wedding dress that she got um, through Esty as a, um, as a kind of like a surprise, you know, to see, see what, what other people thought of it. Now, this is not a shaming group. This is just more of like a woman support group of like, you know, wedding things. So yeah. apparently one of the women in the group who obviously I cannot name, um, decided to screenshot that wedding dress and send that picture to the woman's fiancé. I don't know, like, if she was trying to be a, like, a huge dick that day and woke up and be like, you know what, I'm going to do the shittiest thing alive. And so the woman found out because the fiancé told her about it. I'm sorry, but to me, that is such a trash move. Like, if I, if that was me, I would make that woman's life a living hell. You don't, you don't do that. You don't go behind someone's back. And, like, I get it. They're strangers. You don't know. But this is a group that, like, you know, when you join, like, a Facebook group, there are a lot of rules, like, no sharing, no going yeah. public, no. And the fact that this lady decided to take the photo that she saw on the group and send it to that woman's like fiance is beyond trash. And I want to know your opinion on it. I agree with you. I mean, to me is like, Hey, I just want you to give me your opinion. This one is a surprise for my fiance. Yeah, uh, I exactly. I mean, I, I, I mean, my view would be what if, uh, the, yeah, I mean, that's just, let me put it this way. It's vile. This is I, al- you know what I actually did? I actually messaged that woman, and I was like, I don't know if you decided to just wake up like a dick today, um, but what you did was incredibly vile. And, like, this is the reason why a lot of people don't trust other people. And it's like, it's, I, I mean, when I read that, because the woman that it happened to is in another group that I'm in, so I'm not in the wedding yeah. group, but, like, she posted it, and – it it's like she i mean this woman basically like took the time to go through the other lady's profile find her husband's name find him on instagram and send him that like why would you put so much work into being such a trash human being i don't understand i really like, don't, yeah I, I i don't know yeah i agree with you i guess my question be is I mean, do they know each other at all or is it just she's just being a No real... they don't she doesn't know this Okay woman. She doesn't yeah, know this I, woman. They're just in the same group. But it's this, like, holy invasion of privacy. Like, what my point is, when you join these groups, you're, you're thinking it's, it's like your safe space, basically. Yeah. Where you can, like, form an opinion and, like, not to expect, like, people to go after you or, like, tell your fiancé what your recipe picked. And, like, for the guys listening, you probably don't think it's a big deal, but it's a huge deal. Especially considering actually, the fiancé wanted to be surprised. Yeah. 
Well, I agree. I mean, I agree with you. I just think to me, this is tasteless. I don't even understand if they didn't know, if you really don't know this person, hey, I just want your opinion. This is like a group thing. I'm trying to make this a surprise. Keep it a surprise. But I don't even, I mean, I, I guess my question I would ask if you talk about, you know, what kind of person, like you asked, would go out of their way with somebody they probably don't know or don't know that well to pull this stuff? That's my, you know, you know, I like to know, I mean, what kind of person does that? I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I agree. and also, but, like, I, I just want to, I just want to qualify something really quick. You know, I was talking about children, you know, being exposed to COVID. Well, I just found another case just now about this, this, this person, this kid, he's 12 years old, um, and he was in close contact over the weekend for an extended amount of time with someone that tested positive for Monday. And the mother is still taking that child to school. And guidelines mm-hmm. obviously are that if you notify the school about the child, they would have to quarantine for 14 days. I mean, to me, yeah. I, if I knew that was someone that visited my house, I would call the city and press, like, criminal charges and negligence. Yeah. Well, I guess I, I agree. Well, like I said, you would regardless uh, – because I can tell you right now, if you have a fever – Schools will tell you, even before COVID, they will tell you, you don't bring the kid to school. If there's any chance they're sick, you don't bring the kid to school. I mean, that's usually accepted protocol regardless of it. And that's, you know, yeah. it's, an, it's an element of irresponsibility. All right. Now, here's a, there's a couple of things I want to kind of detail because we're going to go through these states. We're going to go through the uh, some of these areas. I want to kind of tell people this. I, I do politics for a living. I'm the chairman of America's PAC. Uh, uh, I basically – I also have a foundation I'm a project director of. And this is one of those elections where, quite honestly, who knows truly what's going on? Who knows truly who's actually going to be voting? You know, for, you know, the polls are all over the map. Polls are like 15 points one way. Then I've seen polls that are like even or slightly the other way. And again, I'll give this to the audience. I do have access to people and to experts and to pollsters who, who let's say, and, and these pollsters, I've got access to people who were right over the past election cycles. Their record is pretty good. And so I get a chance to talk because I have a pollster on my own staff. So I know, you know something about it. And it's like, you know, if somebody was asked me, I'm going to say right now, if somebody's asked me my own view based on the numbers I see, based on everything I, people are telling me, based on what I see myself, based on the selected data, in particular the battleground states, this election is a lot closer than people think it is. I mean, if you sit back, you know, it's a lot closer. It's a, I'm going to use the word. Yeah. It's a coin toss. Yeah. To me, it's a coin toss, especially because, and you got to also remember one other aspect. This is decided state by state. You know, the best way I can describe it's like a boxing match. It doesn't matter. I mean, in boxing, it's round by round. If you win seven rounds, the other guy wins five, it doesn't matter how badly he won the other five rounds. 
If you win seven, you win the fight. And it's the same thing here. You know, you can win the popular vote, like in the case of Biden. You know, he's going to win, in my view, he's going to win the popular vote because California and New York are going to give him a plus seven million off the bat. And the state yeah, but Georgia Trump might doesn't. turn blue. Georgia, there's a good yeah. chance Georgia might turn blue. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. We're going to go with these states. Uh, uh, but and- honestly, if you want my opinion, like, I don't pay attention <laughs> to polls. Polls, yeah. uh, to me, are – I don't pay attention to it till the actual result comes in because, I, I mean, that's the thing that happened with Hillary. And, like, everyone thought, like, oh, well, she's going to yeah. win no matter what, and look what happened. Yeah. You know, so well, and I, I think I mean, some people, I think yeah. some people, I think some people like in the political racket, you know, do this so others will stay home and yeah. not vote because they think their vote is not going to count or whatever. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, I agree because here's the thing. I it's like I say, I because I talk to folks all the time, and you know, and I and, and I sat down and talked. And I said, okay, uh, you know, and they'll tell, they'll admit to you. There are people we can't really consistently contact, or we don't think we're getting a hold of them, or we have methodology we think we can get a hold of them. But like I had one poster, you know, one of my own posters, you know, my poster told me he said, you know, we could be off by a swing of two or three points based on who the hell you're talking to and who you're not getting, and that's the key element. And you look at these states. Now let's talk about Georgia because that's a good place to start. Uh, it to me, Georgia is going to be tight. But I'm going to still say it's still Georgia. There'll be it's red enough that Trump should win it. But you're right, it's close. I don't think he will. It's very close. It's extremely close. Yeah, I'm going to say he will. Now the other thing comes to play. Yeah. Well, we got here and there. We're good. People can judge next week which one of us is right. So so. We'll yeah, I just okay. can't believe it's going to be next week. I feel like the year has gone by so, you know. Yeah, didn't we just have summer? I, I, didn't we just have summer? I mean, I, I don't even remember summer. Do you? <laughs> no. I was indoors yeah. all summer. Yeah. All right. Okay. You got two Senate elections, uh, Purdue and Ossoff, and then you got Warnock. Now, here's the thing. You have a special election. is the second Senate race. So, basically, you got multiple candidates in the race, and – so, you know, unless one guy, unless one of the candidates gets fifty percent, first of all, both candidates got both these can both candidates to win the race. You have to get fifty percent plus to avoid a runoff. Uh, so the question mm-hmm. is going to be: I think I think Purdue will find a way to slip over that fifty points. One, but it'll be tight. In the case of the other one, Warnock, Collins, and Lovelier, uh, there's no way. Anybody's going to get fifty percent because you got two Republicans in the race, and they're going to basically split the vote. And Warnock will get enough, but he will not get fifty percent. So there'll be a runoff in December. That's my view. Hmm. Uh, but Orsoff is a good candidate. I mean, he he's run before in Georgia. He's got a name recognition. He's raised a lot of money. So it's going to be again Purdue. I think he'll win it. Uh, but it, it's going to be tight. Uh, North Carolina. Again, I'm going to like Trump in this strictly because of North Carolina. I think Tillis will find a way to win strictly because Cal Cunningham, his opponent, uh, pretty much has put himself, let's put it this way, when you have more than one mistress 
text information coming out. One may be enough, but when you have multiple mistresses, text coming out, and your wife kicks you out the door. And who is this? Cal Cunningham. He's running against Tillis. And, and and the thing is, Cunningham, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would say Cunningham's got a good chance of winning this race. He's a veteran. You know, he's got a, you know, he's running a great, good campaign at that point. You know, Tillis was on the rope. This comes out, and I'm like, okay. It's one thing when you have the various Texans coming out, and you and you got more than one mistress. It's another thing when the wife kicks you out the door. <laughs> but what I understand is like she's like sitting up there and saying, "Yeah, I'll stand by my husband type of deal." Uh, she's kind of doing yeah, what I never I, understood that. Yeah, I, 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 I tell you, reminds. I don't know if you ever remember Mark Stanford. He was the governor of South Carolina. Of course, I remember was, the mistress that was the love of his life. Yeah, I remember, of course. Yeah, and I remember his wife. His wife basically came out and said, "Honey, there's the door. I'll see you later. I'm not standing by." Yeah, this. no kidding. Yeah, it's like. And, no yeah, and kidding. So, and I think that that tips the election tell us. I mean, that's like one of those things where, okay, and I just think North Carolina, now Florida, I'm going to say Florida's going to go Trump, but that's a tight race. Yeah, I, I, I have I have no, yeah, I'm going to go Florida Trump. I will agree with you on that. Yeah. There's, there's okay, no gonna way they're going to go blue. Yeah. There's okay. no way. Yeah. Ohio. Um, Ohio. You know what? I'm hmm, Ohio. To me, it could go either or. Yeah, I'm going to go Ohio Trump, uh, and, and I'm basing this uh, on. Uh, well, here's the thing: I'm looking at there's three states, and again, it's all. You know, I guess I'm going to go Trump, Ohio. I'm going to put the surprise here is over the next week, Pennsylvania ships to Trump. The bracket. That I disagree with. I, th- I think Pennsylvania is going to go blue. Well, here's the I thing. think they're going to go. Uh, they're going to go Biden. Yeah. yeah, fracking is big in Pennsylvania, and I understand You're that. Talking. But I still think they're. Yeah. I. Yeah. They're, I still. I honestly think Pennsylvania might go blue. Yeah. My blue states would probably be Georgia. Um, just I have a lot of contact over there, um, politically, right. and a lot of friends there. Um, I think it's going to go blue. Um, California obviously blue. Uh, New York blue. Yeah. Um. What about New Hampshire? What are your thoughts on New I'm Hampshire? Say, I'm going to say New Hampshire is slightly going to be blue. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those races where it would be six months ago or before the pandemic, I would say that's going to go red. Uh, now I'm going to say it's going to go blue. Uh, neither candidates are campaigning in it. tells you everything you need to know. When nobody is traveling through your state, they, you know, they already decided you're going one way or the other. Uh, I, okay, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to go with Arizona. I'm going to say, I know you got connections there. I'm going to say Trump carries Arizona. No, uh, I will say it's going to turn blue. Okay. Well, the reason why, now, um, well, Cindy McCain, you know, endorsed uh, Biden. Um, yeah. I know, I, I, I know Arizona, Tom. I, I, I frequent yeah. there a lot. My Best friend is from there, um, but you know what? It can go. It depends where, though. Like if we're talking Mesa, Mesa, Arizona, yeah, they're like Trumpians. But yeah. 
And the reason is, it's like I, I have very, I have a very good friend of mine who who lives up in Mason. They're they're like they've been Dems like their whole life, and um, they haven't been doing some nice things. Like he told me, he had a Biden sign in his uh, house, and one of the neighbors like stole it. Um, yeah. so don't encourage that at all. I think that's really trashy. Um, yeah. But I'm gonna say, you know, Scottsdale blue. You know, if we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, um, oh my God, what is it? It's 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 a place. It's like the villages, but it's in, it's in Arizona, um, and it's pretty it's it's pretty liberal there too. So I'm gonna go Arizona blue. Okay, I'm gonna go red. Good. But here's the key element: if it goes red, which I predicted will, Trump has to win by five, four to five points to carry. If he doesn't win by four or five points. McSally will not be the senator. Uh, I've got inside information that basically says she's running two points behind him consistently. So he basically has to win by four or five to get her over the top. Uh, so, okay, I was again, Michigan. Ah, friends of mine, I talked to people who know I've been involved in that campaign. So I am going to be a homer because I'm involved in it. But I think it slightly goes red. Uh, and I do think, I tell you, the the thing that I think the big surprise of the night is John James will beat Gary Peters for the Senate race. He will pull the upset. Hmm. And he will be the one to – now, here's the answer to the thing. He's running two or three points ahead of Trump. He's running two or three points ahead of Trump. So he will carry Trump over the finish line. That's my prediction. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say Wisconsin goes blue. If the election was yeah, today, it's gonna go for sure. It's gonna go blue. Uh, Iowa is gonna stay red, and Ernst will find a way to squeeze it. It's a little bit more redder than what it used to be eight years ago. All right. Uh, Okay, I, I, here's my Senate predictions. I think uh, Collins loses in Maine. I think Jones loses in Alabama. Gardner loses in Colorado. Uh, so basically, I'm going to say that when this is over, the Republicans will have a plus 52. They'll get lose one overall. Or plus one, mm-hmm. because it depends on McSally. That's a, uh, like you say, less, uh, so that's uh, my view. What's your thoughts on, you know, you think Collins is gone? Susan? Yeah. Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina. I don't see Lindsey Graham losing. I think it'll be tight, oh, I but do. I don't see it. I hundred percent do. I, I mean, God, he was on Fox News begging for money. I mean, I think he's done. No, I, 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 I don't South even li- li- listen. I don't even live there, and I donated money to his like opposing candidate. Yeah, <laughs> I think. Well, I saying, think you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's I the think thing. He's done. North, yeah, South Carolina is a lot more redder than North Carolina, mm-hmm. and in South Carolina. That's my thing, you know, because like I say, I have I got family that lives in South Carolina, 
you know, and I've talked, you know, and basically it's like, you know, one of my, you know, my brother says, hey, it's South Carolina. Well, you know, in the end, he's going to win. If this was like Georgia I, I don't think or so. North Carolina, but we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, so, all right. I mean, here's, I guess it comes down to this. Uh, all right. Here's my view. And I know part of it is probably because I'm a homer. But I also mm-hmm. got this wrong last time because last time I stated that Trump would lose 272 to 266 the Electoral College and that he would lose the popular vote by two to three points. I was right at the popular vote. I was wrong on the Electoral College because because of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's – and my view is going to be is he will not carry Wisconsin, but he will carry Pennsylvania – Possibly Michigan, and he'll keep all of the other states. Uh, he'll keep all of the other states that he kept, that he won before. So you're basically looking at a 270 to a 290 electoral college. He will lose the popular vote by three or four points. That's what we're gonna. That's my view. So. Yeah, I mean, I think Biden's gonna win. Um, I actually asked my boyfriend this because he knew Trump was going to win four years ago. Like he, he, you know, it, he knew. And, yeah. you know, I asked him about this, like, you know, what do you think he goes to Biden? And I, I agree. I agree. But again, like, I'm not, I mean, that's why I got out and I voted early, you know? Um, yeah. I actually watched something really interesting yesterday, Tom. Um, I, 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 I listened right. to Matt out and like, you know, I watch her, but every now and then she'll do like these like history segments, which I really like. And she talked about um, in Mississippi back in 1966, I believe, um, on how, you know, people were going out early, like African-Americans were going out and voting early and, you know, a lot of their votes never counted, and they actually, you know, the ACLU at the time um, fought it, and a judge who was very, like, you know, uh, pro-segregation actually was like, you know, no, these votes have to be counted, and it was a long segment. It was like, it was like, I don't know, like 45 minutes. It was just really interesting. And we're seeing that right now, people voting out, coming out early. I don't think we've seen so many people going out before the polls and, and really just voting like people no. are voting early. No, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you got like 70 million people have already voted. It's, I anticipate there's like 70 million left to 80 million left. Mm-hmm. Of vote, uh, yeah. But the, apparently, but, apparently like yesterday was there the, like they're not going to be counting if like you know um if you send in your mail ballot like today they're not they won't be counting your vote yeah it's been but but you know what yeah there's a part I mean, each state has their own rules and it's the responsibility of the voter to find out what those rules yeah. are yeah i mean I, i'm sorry I'm, I'm at the point where hey if you're not going to look at the the rules of the state it, and let's be blunt. I've seen this by both Republican Democrats. All kinds of things are being people being sent out. Hey, this is the rule. Go get your early ballot. Uh, 
But the question, but the other thing that comes into play here is that the people who are voting early, the question comes into play, are these the people who normally would have voted on election day? Uh, and are we... Per, per, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I know yeah, I voted exactly early. What I mean. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I voted early, uh, and I turned my ballot, you know, I, I took absentee, and I and I turned my ballot in, personally. Uh, you know, I, I went to the box itself. I didn't even want to mail it in. I said, I'm going to drive it in. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that's, like, I figured, well, you know, I got, I'm like everybody else. I'm starting, you know. I actually handed mine to the, the post office guy, to the, the yeah. mail guy. That's how. He yeah. was like literally right yeah. there, and I was like, "Okay, done." Yeah, and not only that, but I even checked to make sure they got the ballot. Because in Iowa, there's a you know you can go on the sec the Iowa website and put your name in. Hey, did you? And and you can know whether or not they received your ballot. So you can actually do that. Now, I don't know what the state capital right. state of Iowa. You can go look it up and make sure they got your vote. So. So I'm going to recommend everybody listen carefully. If you got a state, if you voted absentee, you voted by mail, uh, you stuck it in the mailbox, can go to your state secretary, state's office, and find to see if you've actually received your vote. You might want to do that. Call it the Donaldson Konsky Rule Number One for voting. Check to see if you've actually the people have actually got your ballot. Yeah. So. Well, okay, but hold on, hold on, because we're talking about that real quick. So my boyfriend, you know, um, when he turned, he turned his in earlier than mine, probably like a week earlier than mine, like probably yeah. like two weeks ago. And he sent it in. They said they got it, but then he kept getting text messages saying, like, you know, track your ballot or something. So. Oh, okay. all right. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Here's the thing. Because we had this happen where we had somebody knock on our door, door to door, you know, and the political parties keep tabs of it. And they don't always, and they may not have the latest information. So what your boyfriend most likely is receiving, somebody at the Democratic headquarters saying, you know, has Steve voted yet? And if they don't have a record of it, they're going to keep reminding him that, (laughs) you know, have you voted yet? That's just the way it is. They're going to, you're going to get phone calls, all kinds of stuff. Where if it's not yet in their, if it's, if they don't yet have a record of you voting, they're going to bother you until they get the record. Uh, that's what I'm guessing that he's getting. That's going to be my guess. Uh, so yeah, so we'll see how that happens. I mean, I, I turned yeah. mine in already, and yeah, you know, hoping for the best. Yeah. Well, let's see. Well, at least in California, I don't. I think the results will be rather preordained. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm I'm hoping for the best around, you know, yeah. states. Um, but yeah, like people are going out there and voting, and I think exactly what they should be. You know, um, you don't you, you don't listen to the polls. I learned that. Um, you know, because you, you never know. I mean, they could be they could be faking it. They, you know, you're never going to know until election night. Yeah. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to make a couple of quick announcements here. Uh, number one, uh, 
The Dr. Larry Show, where it takes a look at politics from a conservative perspective in the Trump era. Listen to him live every Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at blocktalkradio.com slash la-bachelor. The podcast of the show is every day, 2 a.m., 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at the Bachelor News, airtime.pro. And also, ladies and gentlemen, you can listen to our show, 3 a.m., 10 a.m., every day, 3 a.m., 10 a.m., every day. On the BachelorNews.Airtime.Pro. Uh, so, and you can listen to this show and as well as last night's show uh, over and over again because, yeah, let's face it, these are great shows. And uh, Oh, and happy Halloween. Yeah, Halloween happy Halloween. Here. So what are you going to do for Halloween? What are you going to do for Halloween? What am I? Well, I got candy. Um, I'm going to hand out to my neighbor's kids. I know they're all safe. They don't go out. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to be helping. Our, 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 our apartment complex is doing kind of like a kid um, escape room. So mm-hmm. they're helping with that. Um, so I'm just going to chill. We're going to watch the movies. Um, you know, have a good Halloween. What we're doing. What are you doing? I haven't, we haven't decided yet. I think we're going to just go out and eat. Uh, close the door mm-hmm. and eat the candy ourselves. <laughs> ah. Well, actually, probably, I don't see a whole lot of people. I mean, here's the thing. My wife and I are thinking, you know, how many people are really going to be coming out? I really don't know. I mean, uh, they have the, the, the drive through Halloween that people are doing. Yeah. You know, um, which I'm totally fine with. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, like I guess I think we may end up going out to eat someplace and come back and watch uh, movies and uh, and who knows, you know, just kind of relax, rest and relax and just uh, who knows. So you're right. I mean, yeah. we're at that point. We have yet to make a big decision. The only decision I think we've made is we just don't think there'll be a lot of people coming out. For Halloween, so we no. didn't buy enough candy only for ourselves because we're you know, <laughs> that's right. basically it. So, well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, this is Tom Donaldson, Coco Konsky. We'll see you next Tuesday. It'll be election day. Don't see forget you if you haven't voted, yeah, go ahead and vote. This is we're going to all say yes. goodnight. Vote, vote, vote. Get out there. Do it. All right. Good night. You know, it's the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm Dr. Larry Fidoa, and I'm your host for the evening. Uh, tonight, we're going to t- talk about the uh, possible social- socialist takeover of the USA, and uh, we're pretty close. Uh, last week's column, 
attempted to illustrate how the new a new feudalism can occur under the guise of a socialist takeover of the government. There are many moving parts to this movement, and a number of key elements are already in place. The trap is nearly ready to be sprung. The only obstacle is the new, re <clears throat> new Republican Party of Donald J. Trump, and this is why such frantic efforts are continually sustained to defeat him. In order to more easily understand how this takeover will work, the key pieces of the puzzle will be presented here in a notebook format, and more detail can be seen in last week's column, How the New Feudalism Will Happen, on uh, the uh, website uh, drlarryonline.com. The underlying issue of this entire movement is the wealth gap which exists in the United States between the mega-billionaires who constitute about 1% of the population and who soon will own 80% of the financial and real assets of the United States of America. And uh, the reasons for this trend constitute such a threat to the republic are, for, are several. First, 68% of the gross national product, the GDP, that is the sum of all economic activity in the entire country, depends on consumer spending. But if the consumer cannot afford to buy those products and services, the economy will shrink, jobs will be lost, more people will be on welfare, and only the wealthy will continue to thrive. This is true because the very rich do not do as much of the purchasing of goods and services as the majority of the people do. For example, how many shirts can one man wear? He will spend his money on the stock, buying other companies and other investments, thus increasing his wealth. Eventually, he and his peers will own or control everything and everyone will be working directly or indirectly for the billionaires. This trend has been going on for a long time, aided by the digital revolution and internationalism, or globalism as it was called. And the reason I have called this trend feudalism is because this kind of economic system was called feudalism in the Middle Ages. The nobility owned all the land, and all the serfs worked for them. Although the serfs were called free, they were in fact as tied to their master and his land as any slave. So the second reason why this new the new feudalism is such a threat is the reversal of the Western world's march toward freedom and equality, most notably the United States uh, as the most notable of all. The lighted city on the hill will be darkened, the shining city on the hill will be darkened, its beacon extinguished, and its spirit crushed. Secondly, what is the goal? The goal is to take, take control of the U.S. federal government as the instrument for control of the nation. The basic strategy is for the billionaires to form what I have called an unholy alliance by which they would 
pool resources, secure levers of power, and uh, the players are below. The main obstacle to this alliance, besides Trump, is the reluctance of some of the major players to join the group. There hasn't been a room big enough yet to hold all the giant egos, but it will come soon. So here are the players. First of all, the billionaires, who will finance everything as needed. Secondly, the high-tech industry, which will regulate all personal and commercial communications electronically. Next is the public press, both broadcasts and newspapers, most already owned by the billionaires. The alliance buys a political party undertaking all campaign expenses and dictating all positions, uh, political positions as needed. And the deep state is the main enforcer, with the judiciary as needed. Clearly, much of this agenda has already been achieved. The only remaining task is to bring together all the players under one tent. The winning of the 2020 elections with sufficient positions to control the federal government should convince all the players to join the unholy alliance and take over the country. The observation has been made that the takeover of the new oligarchy will be a, quote, soft revolution, meaning without violence or bloodshed, it will be done through automation. With the communications of the entire nation under the control of high tech, the citizens will not be able to communicate in person uh, or through Big Big Brother. <clears throat> the citizens will be able to communicate only in person or through Big Brother, as George Orwell predicted in his book 1984. As a sidebar, he may have been early in his timing, but his description of ordinary life was very revealing. From last week's column, quote, Most of this scenario has already taken place. The 2016 election was a trial run for the future. The planners believe that the mistakes of 2016 have been analyzed and corrected. The only obstacle is Donald J. Trump. He should have been one of the oligarchs, but instead chose to defy the entire alliance, so they tested their system by using the press to neutralize him by a hate campaign. They used their bought House of Representatives to impeach him based on their enlistment of the deep state to provide false evidence. They came within one Senate vote of succeeding. But still he stands between the total power and secondary status of the unholy alliance, and he had better be aware because if he wins the pending election, he may be walking around with a target on his back. The table is already set by the unholy alliance to take over the country. All that is lacking is a Biden victory in the coming election. The only force standing in the way <coughs> is John J. Trump, unless we stand with him. This is the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
if you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you missed the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Welcome back. <clears throat> Welcome back to the Dr. Larry Show, which is also the home of the Donaldson Files with Tom Donaldson and Coco Konsky. Tom and uh, Coco discuss politics from the right and left while giving you entertainment news and guests. Listen live every Tuesday and Wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com slash LA hyphen bachelor and every day at 3 a.m. and uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro Interested in having your own show or advertising? Email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com Listen and stay informed. So tonight I'm being uh, uh, joined by uh, George uh, Lamberth and, uh, and Mark Morano uh, who are two uh, very uh, distinguished uh, observers of the uh, Washington scene. And I feel that uh, both are in very good uh, position to uh, react to my uh, uh, idea about the uh, uh, the Unholy Alliance. And uh, so first I'd like to introduce uh, uh, George Lamberth. <clears throat> who is a uh, president of a Washington think tank. And uh, welcome to the Dr. Larry Show, George. It's great to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity. Always enjoy the show. Well, we always enjoy having you. So what do you think? Well, I think you make a pretty compelling case. Um, and I think the the truth of the matter is, Generally, the left has been has been about the aggregation of power, and generally the right has been about the dispersal of power. And I would argue that that is kind of in line with what you're talking about uh, here. In many instances, economic power, but the idea, um, I believe, of the market is that uh, everyone has some economic power and has the ability to you know cast, vote with their dollars, so to speak, and cast their vote for the products and the approaches and the sort of things that, uh, and we see the power in it, you know, I mean, uh, you look at someone like Steve Jobs, he worked pretty hard to invent products that regular Americans would spend money on and buy. And as a result, we were, you know, really blessed to have all these tremendous uh, things that when I was a kid were were kind of sci-fi type stuff. And all of a sudden now I have it in my back pocket. And, um, you know, so I I think that um, we have to be pretty leery of this kind of clarion call to aggregate power and have the government intervene on our behalf to give us power because invariably all it does is it tells us it's going to do that and it grabs the power for itself and for the, its well-heeled friends. And um, 
you see that in Washington now, for example. Uh, we all know that if we were doing the things that the Bidens have been accused of, we'd be thrown in jail. But Congress has made it actually, believe it or not, it's legal. It may not be ethical. In fact, it absolutely isn't ethical. It's not honest. It's legal to pay family members of elected officials. And, um, you know, you can shrug your shoulders and say, no, George, that's not true. But, but it is. It's sad. And so that's, I guess that's my point is when these people tell you that they're going to exercise all this power for your benefit, don't believe them. They're going to exercise this power for their benefit. And so be slow to give them that power. You look at our history of the world. You know, China, what did they do? They, they told the, uh, the little guy that they were going to exercise power on their behalf. Has the average Chinese person been benefited or helped? Of course not. Look, look at the repression that they suffer under now. And you can go around the globe and look at all the promises that were made. How about in Venezuela? What were the promises there? Promises were we will exercise, make me, you know, make me the, Hugo Chavez, make me president and I will exercise this power for your benefit. Now what happens? The average Venezuelan is not able to get enough calories to maintain their body weight. They're losing weight as if they belong to Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig, and that's on a national basis. So, I, you know, that's my point, I think, uh, as to why this election matters, because um, it may sound counterintuitive, but the guy who's promising to intervene on your behalf and do everything that, you know, for you is dangerous. And the guy who's telling you he's going to give you opportunity and a chance to be successful is the guy that's actually going to provide you with freedom and opportunity. So um, I, I liked what you had to say because I do think a lot is at stake here. And we are, you know, I used to go canoeing a lot. And I knew that when you started hearing whitewater, you had to pay attention. Because when, when the whitewater is coming, if you're not paying attention, you can make a mistake that could uh, not just get your gear wet or get you wet, but could actually take your life. So you, you pay attention. And I hear whitewater right now. Well, not only that, but speaking of China, they've uh, they've actually put up uh, a Manchurian candidate because <clears throat> the uh, the uh, mis mis uh, mistakes and I'll call them mistakes the actually treasonous mistakes that were made by uh, Mr. Biden and his family are actually if he wins. The election, the the Chinese, he he'll stop all the investigating on this side, but the Chinese will hold the evidence over his head as long as he, there as he's alive and in in uh, in in power. So right. we we'd be giving up. Basically, we 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 would be electing a man who is in, who is indebted to the uh, Chinese. Communist Party, right. and that would be that's not only a national security problem, it's also a crime. Right. Well, and you're not so, just surmising this, you're not just projecting this or no, anything. No, there's evidence. This, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we actually have seen a website from an anti, you know, Communist Party website in Asia that has a, a long history of standing up to the Chinese Communist regime and warning and they have got a hold of some of these items, and they've started to release them to warn America and say, do you understand that the Chinese have all of this? 
Do you understand that they've already used it in some instances? And I would argue, ask yourself why Joe Biden would call President Trump xenophobic for shutting down travel from China. It was self-evidently the right call, and yet Joe Biden said it was not just the wrong call, but that it showed that the president was a bad person, that he was a racist and so forth. And why would he do that? I'll tell you why he did that. Probably because his Chinese overlords needed him to do that. They needed to have, have the, someone uh, in America stand up for them because they are trying to avoid accountability for what they did. And Joe Biden came to the rescue. So I, it's not a hard, you know, I don't, I don't know for sure that's why he did it. But what we do know is they have, they have the goods on them. They can embarrass them. And he said something that was very weird. There's no reason why he couldn't have said, um, you know what, the president and I almost never agree, but we just found the first time we agree, and it's in America's interest to protect itself from this virus. But he didn't say that. Well, um, I, I um, want to uh, uh, invite uh, Mark Morano to uh, this conversation. Uh, Mark, uh, welcome to the Dr. Larry Show. So I guess maybe Mark isn't with us yet. Um, well, what I guess I guess my my issue is that I don't think this is patriotic or socialistic or capitalistic at all. I think it's plain old uh, money grabbing. I think right. that the people that have the money to uh, do these kind of mo- uh, monstrous things. I mean, you've got uh, Bloomberg trying to buy Florida. You've got uh, 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 George Soros, who's been uh, paying people uh, for well, years. He's been, yeah, well, he's been buying uh, attorney generals uh, and uh, and state prosecutors in the last couple of election cycles, and uh, it's it's paid him dividends. Well, you know, and these guys eventually, uh, I think they're going to get together, and if they do. They have they have all of the pieces to make this uh, a, a soft revolution, and it's uh, it's just it's really frightening. I, f- I feel I feel ever since this thing on on uh, Biden came up, uh, I felt that uh, we are we are in serious serious trouble because if this guy wins, uh, we've got a lot a lot of trouble. I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, it's funny. The uh, there was a time um, I had a strong preference for Ronald Reagan over Jimmy Carter, but I have to be honest. I don't know that I saw our nation on the edge of a cliff, and I didn't think we were about ready to fall over. Um, I thought there. Was, I thought it was an important election, and I thought that America would do much, much better with uh, better leadership. But I didn't see it quite in as stark a terms as I see things today. And, um, and I'll be honest, it's not because uh, I'm imagining things. I think it's because things have gotten worse. We are much closer. It's, it's like if you're canoeing on a lazy river and you're 30 or 40 or even 100 miles away from the waterfall, you're not worried about waterfalls and they don't matter. But at some point, you can hear the white water rushing. And at some point, you better be prepared that when so that you don't go over the edge of that uh, 
that water cliff or that waterfall. Um, and uh, I, I feel like I, I wish more Americans were aware of this and that they didn't see this as a partisan issue, that they understood this isn't about partisanship. This isn't about whether or not you like the guy's tweets or even you, you know, like his personality. It's a question of a country and a system like the communist regime in China. Can we empower them? Can we essentially give them the wheel? And uh, I think the answer to that's obvious. And yet I feel like so many Americans just don't see it. They're missing it because they're blinded by their hatred of the orange man. Yeah, but the reason for that is because of the press. The only information, for the most part, that most people have of what's going on in both in government and elsewhere is uh, is the press, and 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 not only the the uh, public press of newspapers and broadcasts, but also <clears throat> there was one one survey that came out and said that uh, 26% of all the people in the United States get their news from uh, YouTube, which is an electronic uh, uh, vehicle and uh, has, has all kinds of things on it, but including the news. And that is what I, I think that in, in, in concert with the power that suddenly emerged to uh, the headlines uh, with this New York Post uh uh, uh, column regarding the, uh, the Hunter Biden's activities, uh, it suddenly brought to mind uh, the terrific, uh, uh, the terrific uh, influence that uh, that the uh, social media has on on everybody or most people and and younger people more even than the older people. So it's a, it's a growing trend, and the people right. that own the people that that uh, control that, in addition to the people that have the public press, uh, it's just uh, overwhelming. So uh, we're still yeah. we're still waiting for uh, for Mark. Uh, Mark, are you there yet? <laughs> well, I guess not. Um, He's a he's a climate specialist, but he's also a uh, man of many parts. Uh, so I know, anyway, I, I know Mark. He's a good guy. But uh, just on what you were just saying, I think one of the things that's important to realize is I think it's perhaps even worse than you described. And I know you know this, but I just want to make it clear for our listeners: it's not just the media is um, doesn't give the full picture. It actually affirmatively hides the truth from the public. Um, in the case of Joe Biden, most of the major media acts as if you had, for example, several news sources say they couldn't cover this because, quote, it was stolen material. Well, that's interesting because the New York Times covered uh, Donald Trump's tax returns with no verification that what they were given was actually true, and it was stolen. They didn't get it from a legitimate source. They didn't get it from the IRS, and they didn't get it from Mr. Trump himself. So, you know, but they went to anyhow. Um, you know, you have other people who, um, whether it's Twitter, they, they block your account. If you mention a legitimate news story that has now been corroborated not only by witnesses who are on the record, but documentation, emails, text messages, phones, at some point, it's just, 
beyond the pale that the media continues to ignore this. And it's not just they ignore it. They're hiding it from the public. They're affirmatively lying to the public. They tell them things like it's been a debunked theory. It hasn't been debunked. Every shred of evidence that's been produced substantiates the claims, does not disprove them. Secret Service logs, for example, also substantiate the, uh, the claims. So it's just it's amazing to me how um, just quite frankly, the media is now corrupt. The media is no longer biased. They're actually affirmatively dishonest, and they serve as a propaganda wing to mislead the public, not just to not inform them, not the failure of, mis- of informing them, but to affirmatively mislead them. Well, hold that thought. This is the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Join Barry Barnes for Locker Talk on the Bachelor Pad Network as he presents NFL news and evaluates players Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. Get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for media flu. Is I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to the, to the Dr. Larry Show, which is also the home of the uh, Life Cafe broadcast for maximi- maximizing uh, Life Family Worship Center, located at 2920 East Market Street in Greensboro, North Carolina. The broadcast features a Bible study-like atmosphere while taking a laid-back approach uh, the broadcast is every Saturday evening at 5 p.m. Eastern Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Interested in having your own show or advertising? Email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and uh, be informed. So uh, this is the Dr. Larry show now, and... Uh, we're uh, talking to George Landreth, and uh, we're uh, trying to decide. We're trying to bring into play uh, the many elements of this movement that's. Go- I'm calling it the Unholy Alliance, but it involves the uh, underneath all of the uh, language. It it involves a bunch of. Uh, the uh, millionaires, the oligarchs of uh, of the uh, current uh, American economy, uh, taking, getting together, and basically taking over the uh, the government and the uh, the entire workforce of the uh, United of the United States, and that, of course, not only could be considered uh, feudalism. It could also uh, socialism, but uh, very soon it could become totalitarianism, and in that case it would be a repeat of the medieval feudalism that we saw, where all of the land and all of the assets were owned by the nobility, and everybody else was a serf, 
who uh, was who, who depended entirely on uh, on the uh, on the nobility. So we we have a lot at stake. Uh, there, there are a lot, a lot of different angles on this thing. I've been trying to simplify it enough so that we can we can understand it in in, in one in one uh, uh, program. But uh, but it's hard. I mean, we've got things like like uh, the Manchurian Candidate, uh, who would be uh, Donald. Tr- I mean, uh, 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 Mr. Biden, who would. Uh, who who be if he wins would be uh, completely dependent upon the uh, discretion and the blackmail of uh, of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, the evidence for that has been coming out practically every day here in the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, but there are a lot of other a- angles too. Uh, one of which is that. Uh, Biden may uh, be, uh, for one reason or another, either impeachment for treason, or for um, uh, for, for for health, health uh, resigning for health, or any or some other reason. Uh, but anyway, he would end up uh, as uh, vacating the uh, presidency in uh, favor of uh, uh, Kamala Harris, and that. That is a promise of a socialistic approach, uh, which is essentially big government, where uh, government uh, intrudes and regulates more and more of American life uh, to the point where we are uh, building up tremendous uh, uh, national debt, uh, increasing the wealth of the already wealthy, and uh, the uh, average person be reduced to uh, serfdom. So that's that's, and that's just a few of the issues. So um, we're talking to uh, George Landers tonight, uh, and uh, George has uh, also been concerned about some other issues. Um, are there any other things that uh, really stand out to you, George? Well, I think you know you look at the. Um the newspapers today. And uh, I think there's lots of issues out there. But I feel like the public isn't well suited uh, or isn't well served by the, uh, the media. An example would be um, it used to be that they would be the uh, watchdog and keep us uh, informed of when politicians were essentially not telling us the truth. And, uh, you know, it's it's now left to the other party to do that. Example would be, you know, Joe Biden was indignant that someone would suggest he was uh, has said on numerous occasions that he was going to ban fracking, and apparently he, you know, had some conversion decided he wasn't going to do that. But but for anyone to quote him the other you know dozen times he said he was going to was outrageous, and he didn't have to say he changed his mind. They just had to accept it. Um, and the press doesn't really cover that, you know. I mean, the, the president ends up having to do that in the debate, but the press doesn't go out of their way to say, yeah, you, you can Google it and find Then Maybe somebody will say, yeah, he's, he's not correct when he says that about Mr. Biden, but, but they don't actually lead with it. It's not a headline. They don't talk about it. On the other hand, they will uh, fact check the president. One of the most outrageous fact checks I've seen was 
after Clemson won the national championship, there was a government shutdown. So he invited the team during that shutdown. So he personally went out. Uh, I don't know that he personally went out and did it, but he personally paid for because the government wouldn't be able to do it because they're shut down. Um, hamburgers, not you know, fries and stuff like that. And and when the press asked him what they did, he said, oh, "Well, we we had a bunch of hamburgers and fries and other things here. In fact, we could you know, we could have stacked all the hamburgers we had here halfway to the moon." Somebody fact-checked that statement and determined that they didn't have near enough hamburgers to stack halfway to the moon. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But they can't bother to fact-check Joe Biden when he says, I'm going to repeal the Trump tax cuts, but I won't raise anyone's taxes who um, uh, you know, earns less than $400,000. Those two statements don't actually make sense. Those are mutually exclusive. Things like that that just you have to say to yourself, why won't they do their job? And um, so I think we're in a crisis because um, we have, as you've, I think, aptly described, this tremendous problem, i.e., are we going to embrace somebody who is under the, the dominion and control of our adversary, China, and the media won't cover it, and they won't otherwise tell you any truth. And so I, I'm very concerned about the future of our country because the media – has completely let us down. Uh, they have uh, proven themselves to not be America's ally. And uh, I think that's sad. I think it's sad. They've just, they don't care about truth anymore. You even have a, a, a prominent uh, uh, out in California professor of journalism who argues that it is uh, no longer needed to be objective, that because objectivity would get in the way of your advocacy. In other words, he thinks it's the job of the media to advocate, not to simply bring the facts and the truth to the public and hold uh, government accountable and to hold the powerful accountable. They're to advocate. Wow. I mean, wow, have we fallen from the days of, uh, you know, investigative reporting and, and holding those in power accountable. But one of the problems that uh, the uh, anti-socialist, uh, uh, anti-oligarchs haven't haven't really uh, uh, have have problems with is the uh, this tremendous wealth gap that has been uh, really it's really a, a, a creature. Uh, it's always been there to some extent, but uh, starting about. Uh, nineteen uh, nineties, a uh, little before that perhaps, but the last twenty years or so, uh there has been this tremendous uh shift of American wealth. And I use wealth instead of uh income because wealth uh assumes that you have some assets that are uh more steady and more uh uh more regular, more right. easily counted on. Than, yeah, well, uh, income is more like a paycheck, and wealth yeah, is like the accumulated right. that, properties that, and equity that you own. And that can be go up and down. But the, but uh, when you have uh, 80% of the, all the assets in the United States being uh, owned by uh, 1% of the population, then you, you, you have a real problem, and, and that is you cannot sustain that kind of a uh, situation uh, uh, until 
uh, you, you, all of the, uh, the the little people, the the middle class, which is really the basis for the entire uh, economic structure of the United States, uh, they uh, they are getting less and less money in proportion to the uh, to the oligarchs, and that is a problem that can only be solved in three ways. The first way is the way Reagan did it, and that is the uh, idea that uh, all uh, that a rising uh, water, uh, a rising sea uh, catches all boats. The problem that that is a, and that's also the Trump pro- approach, and that that is good for uh, some uh, for some aspects of of a. Uh, of a of a robust economy, but it doesn't solve the problem of redistribution of wealth, which is what has to be uh, look, looked up to and really has to be uh, somehow uh, uh, changed. And then the second way is, of course, uh, the socialist way, in which you give all the money to the government and and through taxes, and then the government distri- distributes it as they see fit. Most of which is then uh, uh, welfare, and you get a more and more uh, ever-increasing group of people that are uh, absolutely dependent on the government for their existence, and that's just when you start getting drifting towards feudalism. And then there is a third way, which uh, is not very well known yet, but that is a, uh, a capitalist approach to redistribution of wealth, and uh, it's best, uh, in my, from my uh, investigations, it's best uh, uh, described by a new movement called Conscious Capitalism, in which uh, uh, the whole idea of capitalism is completely rethought. And it, it uh, talks about uh, the purpose of business is no longer the Milton Freeman approach to uh uh, that is for the uh, the uh, advantage of the uh, uh, of the uh, stockholders. Uh, it, it says that the real purpose of any business is to uh, uh, to uh, uh, reach its its uh, mission, uh, which is to uh, serve the uh, community, whether that be the local community of a of a, uh, a local store or be the world community of a high-tech company, uh, that that is the purpose of business. And the the uh, idea of, of profit is uh, necessary and secondary, but uh, it is not the purpose of business. And the way they, they uh, distribute the wealth is by, uh, first of all, the uh, CEO uh, and chairman of some of these big, big, big companies is as much as 500 times the size of um, the size of uh, uh, the uh, average worker, and they they uh, limit the uh, uh, CEO to to 19 percent. And uh, we're going to take a little break here. You're listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. 
Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or Because I said so, or Don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. No, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit AdoptUsKids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. You've been listening to the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and I'm told that uh, Mark Morano has finally caught up with us. Mark, welcome to the Dr. Larry Show. Hey, Dr. Larry, thank you uh, for having me on. My apologies for calling in late. I can I can stay to the end of the program, though. Thank you. All right, well, <laughs> that... Uh, we're uh, talking about the uh, future of the American society, the the, the, the way of living, really, uh, that may uh, may occur if uh, if a Biden uh, pres- a Biden uh, candidacy uh, succeeds in being elected, especially if they get the uh, Senate and the House uh, with them, and I'm sure that. Uh, you would probably have some commentary on that. Well, thank you. Yeah, here's the gist of this. We are facing rule by unelected experts, in quote, and COVID-19 and the viral fears it has inspired have quite literally advanced the progressive political agenda 30, 40 years in the space of six months. That's how much. Now, think of it this way. If you're a gun control advocate, Basically, they sit around and wait for a school shooting or some kind of mass shooting, and then they pounce. That They use those tragedies, exploit them in order to increase the, the gun control regulations and to try to craft the narrative. The medical health bureaucracy has for decades – no conservatives even go into public health. This is like almost like the National Teachers Union. It's all just progressive liberals who believe that their expertise – has to be employed in order to essentially rule the unwashed masses, to make all of us in compliance. So what's happened is they got the public terrified. And you'd think first rule of public health during a, any kind of a viral crisis would be to keep calm and order. Instead, they did the exact opposite, led by Fauci, created absolute panic, painted horrific pictures of millions dead, losing parents, children, neighbors, bodies piled up. They scared everyone into going into lockdown mode by declaring a viral emergency, a public health emergency. And now it started out as two weeks to flatten the curve. Now they will not give it up. There's no chance of it. I just was in Washington, D.C. today at a cigar bar, and they're telling me that you know there's almost no hope. They're six months behind in rent. The D.C. mayor is continuing to crack down. Uh, they're not allowed to even allow smoking inside under the COVID rules, but they have to violate them because, you know, there's, they wouldn't even be able to stay open otherwise. All the other small businesses are being crushed. You know, massive, uh, all the chains and corporations are making record profits. 
um, you know, Amazon and uh, Walmart and uh, you know, Facebook and Google, Twitter, all the online. So this is what's occurred is the destruction of small business, and it's uh, the greatest shift of wealth from the poor and middle class to the wealthy. That's what we're seeing. That's what uh, Jim Cramer and MSNBC Business said. So essentially, this is what we're facing. Biden wants to expand this. He wants to have national lockdowns, national mass mandates. He wants to, quote, listen to the scientists, and the scientists are all about crushing our freedom because their agenda is about a zero not going to say case, but a zero positive test world. That's what they think. And until that, they don't care about anything else. It's lockdowns forever. That's what we're facing. The greatest assault on freedom probably in the history of the United States. I mean, if you take away slavery and segregation, there's nothing left. This is it. Uh, wars were fought over a lot less than this. Telling government now, telling us no one voted, no vote in parliament, city halls, no vote in Congress, but somehow we can't go to funerals, weddings, you can't visit your elderly. You can, you know, we had lockdowns for months and now only phased reopenings. In England, they're talking about sending in police if you have too many people at your house at Christmas. California has rules for Thanksgiving and Christmas. You're not allowed to sing. You're only allowed to be together two hours. You have to sit apart. Uh, you have to wear a mask in between bites, or, you know, even with family members, according to the state of California. This is an assault on freedom we've never experienced. And you know what's frightening? The most frightening of all, Dr. Larry, is the American public appears to be begging for more, and they want more and safety, and they have no problem with it. So where do you, fit, where do you see the uh, Trump phenomenon fitting? Well, Trump has finally come around. And what I mean by that is Trump's mistakes, and I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. He was duped. There's no other way around it. He was duped. Yeah. By the CDC, I knew in January that this COVID-19, regardless of how serious it was, was going to be exploited. That's why I mentioned the gun control and the school shooting at the beginning, because it's progressives exploit you know, real-life things. They like to exaggerate and turn up. So what happened was Trump, even though we had people like Michael Fomento, who's documented the CDC, he's an he's a author who's written about the myth of heterosexual AIDS, he's gone after Fauci head-on. I had studied and, and talked about the vaping stuff that the CDC had done. They, they destroyed vaping, made people go back to cigarettes. Vaping, whatever you think of it, is safer than cigarettes. So the CDC has one agenda, ultimately, and it's not public health. I mean, the main agenda is expanding their regulatory control, and they saw this as the mothership. They saw COVID-19. So Trump allowed Fauci daily briefings on TV. He allowed Fauci and Neil Ferguson of the UK Public Health and all that to set the 2.2 million die unless we take drastic action. Trump legitimized all that. The low point of the Trump administration was when Larry Kudlow said, uh, we, don't, we can't reopen, that's up to the doctors. And he said that in April, kind of like they're just leaving it up to doctors when we can open our, you know, the economy and have our freedom back. So Trump quickly, you know, by May, he had caught on. He stopped doing briefings with Fauci, started urging people to open up. But by then, and particularly in blue states, and I'm in Virginia, there was no hope. Governors were already locked down. Public health bureaucrats were in charge, loving every second. Mass mandates came much later. Phased reopenings are more oppressive. But now Trump gets it. He's got a guy named Scott Atlas at the White House, science uh, advice, medical and he, he is phenomenal. Trump has been phenomenal lately on this. Trump gets it. Trump is leading the way against lockdowns. He did it in the last debate. Um, the question now is, are the American people willing 
to walk away from this whole narrative, and I haven't seen evidence that they are. Uh, I just think people are afraid, and people think lockdowns work, and people are willing to be, quote, safe for years into the future. Well, I I wrote also uh, about that. I called it Trump's biggest gamble uh, because I was very, uh, also very skeptical, uh, having gone through uh, in the Fed, uh, you know, in the vaccine problems back in back in the day. Uh, and yeah. I also knew uh, Tony Fauci, uh, and I was like most of the people at uh, NIH. Uh, I was I wasn't very impressed with him, but. Uh, uh, I think I think there is some evidence that people are rebelling, and and uh, we see uh, you know masses of people at the beaches, for instance. <laughs> and maybe it wasn't very wise, but uh, there. And then there were there have been uh, some uh, uh, some uh, opening of uh, sports events. Uh, and I I I, uh, I haven't made a list of them, but. It seems to me that there are some. And by the way, uh, George Landreth is also with us. Uh, I think you guys know each other. Um, and uh, George, yes. do you want to have a? Uh, you want to get a, uh, a comment in here? Um, other than to say, Mark said it well. Um, I I don't need to repeat what he said because he said it very well, and I can't say it better than that. But but he's exactly right. There's no. <clears throat> There's simply no reason for us to drive suicides up, uh, yes. end up driving cancer up, drive, drive depression, drive poverty. Poverty is really bad for health, by the way. So I'll do all these things over COVID. And I'm not suggesting that COVID's unimportant. Obviously, if you're in a risk group and you have COVID or you have a family member who died of COVID, it's very important. Um, just as if you have a, a service member who, in a you know operation to combat terrorism, has someone in your family die, that's very important to you. I understand that. But the point is, to the country as a whole, you can't actually conduct policy this way. We can't drive America into the ditch every time there's a pandemic, and we can't do it every time there's the fear that we'll have – a death rate somewhere in the neighborhood that we've had this time. Otherwise, we will basically shut down every year or every other year, and that's not a sustainable approach. And so I think Mark's hit the nail on the head. Well, well and so, George is right. So so you both are saying that, uh, that the uh, COVID-19 is a major, a major factor in this, uh, in this election. Oh, I will say this. Donald Trump destroyed the greatest economy in 60 years by allowing his, his presidency to be hijacked by public health progressive bureaucrats whose only goal is to expand the power of the state, not public health. So Donald Trump allowed that. He tanked and cratered the greatest economy. He, he basically tanked his easy chance for reelection. He was cruising to an easy reelection. There's almost no way around that. The lowest Hispanic unemployment in, in ever recorded, the lowest black unemployment, uh, record economic growth, booming businesses. I mean, he was set. This came along, 
They did something that wasn't even in their playbook. The World Health Organization, the CDC, never even talked about lockdowns in the case of a virus that's 10 times, you know, viruses many times worse than COVID could have been. So this was all sort of invented on the fly, and everyone went along with it. Trump went along with it, his administration. He allowed them to destroy it, and once the blue state governors got a hold of it, uh, they're not letting go. Michigan's not letting go. New York's not letting go. New Jersey's not letting go. Pennsylvania. I mean, these governors love every second. In Virginia, where I live, the public health director under our governor, Northam, has said when a vaccine, a rushed vaccine is available, it will be mandatory in Virginia. And they said it this way, no exemptions for religious or health. Everyone will take this vaccine. We don't even know this guy's name in Virginia, but yet he's telling us something that from the the Nuremberg trials that you, you know, Nazi Germany, you were not allowed now to give medicine to people who don't want it after Joseph Mengele and other experiments. We're now going back on all that. They're forcing this upon us. And by the way, who would take a vaccine when it's, uh, your, your chance of survival is almost 100% of this, unless you're in a specific age group, very old, over 70, I believe? It's still you have a 5 or 6% chance of survival, or you have major comorbidities. So this is a. Uh, just an unbelievable assault on everything. And also the Great Reset. I didn't mention that. The World Economic Forum in June, the founder of it, a guy named Klaus, came out and called for the Great Socialist Reset, or he called it the Great Reset of Capitalism. And build back better is one of their phrases. And by the way, that's one of Joe Biden's phrases, build back better. So so do you believe then that, uh, that that cost him the election? Or will will cost him? I, I do. I don't think Trump's going to win, but I, you know, I didn't think he was going to win in 2016. That's my disclaimer. I was shocked he won. But here's the thing: even if Trump wins, unless there's a way we can reverse these blue states, I mean, we're still. I mean, I can't believe Trump at the last debate with Biden didn't say we would have a much better recovery right now if California, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, Michigan, all these states would open up and end the phase reopenings and just open fully. And states like Florida have. There's no restrictions statewide in Florida. Everything's been lifted. No mask mandates. That's what Trump should have hammered. And that's where we are right now. The reason our economy is not recovering even faster is because of all these Democratic governors aren't going to give up this power. They, I was in D.C. again, and the mayor of D.C., could not be more excited. There's restrictions on everything, but not on Black Lives Matter protests and there's, or you know, toppling statues or other things like that. This is, these lockdowns will be used for politics. And as far as Trump you know, winning or losing, I don't know. And Because in the end, Trump may just be an anomaly because this is a battle that they've been poised, the progressives. They tried it with climate change, trying to declare a climate emergency and suspend basic you know, government so we can have emergency measures. We've had the New York Times, Tom Friedman write about gloating about China and how they have only one party rule and how they can get things done. This is what the left has wanted. And so they could never get anywhere with climate change because no one cared. But with viruses, you can scare the bejeebers out of the public. And I know conservatives, libertarians who are genuinely afraid of a virus and they're willing to give up. And that's why they've seized on something. They're not giving it up. I publicly apologized in August for saying that climate solutions, Green New Deal, were the greatest threat to liberty. I now believe that COVID lockdowns and mandates and phase reopenings are the greatest threat, and I think climate will now be rolled into COVID. Climate can never stand on its own again. COVID and viral fears are ruling. The left will never give this up. They are going to seize this and ride this for decades, and again, 
we don't have a say. I mean, no one's voting on this until the next election. What I'd like to see is all these governors, who the lockdown governors, voted out. That's our best hope for the quickest end to this nonsense is, a, is an electoral shock. But again, a lot of them aren't up for re-election now, and I don't really see it. I, you know, you go to Walmart, and 99.9% of the people are wearing masks, even though they don't have to. And what I mean by that, Larry, is a Walmart and and most of these states they have exemptions for health. I go in and they say, "Where's your mask?" And I say, "I have a health. I'm invoking my health exemption, and I'd be too mad if I wore a mask." They, by law, can't ask you what your medical condition is, and they have to let you in. No one has to wear a mask in those settings. There are situations, some stores say no mask, no service. Airlines make it very difficult to do a health exemption, but generally people could get away with not wearing masks most of the time, especially in big stores. Well, gentlemen, we're just about uh, we're a couple of minutes be, uh, to the end of the program here, and uh, I think, uh, Mark, you've uh, pretty much made your uh, main concern <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you would like to uh, add in the last couple minutes here? And George, George, why don't you start first? Well, I uh, I agree with everything Mark has said, except I'm a little more optimistic about uh, Trump's <laughs> chances of winning than Mark is. But uh, but I do agree that the the danger here is that the left has found a new hobby horse to ride, and they're going to ride this horse till it dies. And uh, as long as, you know, it's a little bit like you're watching a football game. If you keep calling, if, if, if the other team doesn't stop the play, you should keep calling it. And, um, and so we're going to have to be, you know, Americans just have to stop the COVID play. The COVID play is, you know, give us your freedom, give us your tax money, give us everything that you hold dear, and we'll protect you from this, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite frankly it's the same thing as climate change, just a different, you know, give us your money, give us your freedom, and we'll protect you from the sky falling. That's the left's game plan on every issue. Everything, yes. Absolutely right. But here's the problem. There's been so much damage done with this. Um, the uh, Yelp app has estimated 60% of small business restaurants aren't going to be reopening. Uh, they're just gone, wiped out. And so what's happened here is when corporations change in, in, in the government, take everything over. They easily control. Look at how fast NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, they all just caved immediately to the Black Lives Matter narrative. That's what ends up happening. So they're talking about now, like even for travel, for international travel, you're going to need an immunity passport. You're going to have to prove you have a vaccine. You're going to have to uh, prove that you have a negative COVID test. These are all intrusions we never would have accepted before. And again, there's absolutely no reason for it. I mean, this is not the Spanish flu. This isn't even the Hong Kong or Asian flu. There's actually charts of epidemiologists showing this doesn't even rank, I believe, in the top 10 of the last, you know, maybe top 15. This just isn't there. But the measures, the extreme overreaction is so disproportionate that that's what they're trying to do. So they, it's not going away unless there's electoral shocks. And this has nothing to do with Trump. People will say, oh, well, Trump you know, loses, this all goes away. No. New Zealand, Australia, Israel, Ireland, UK, France, just it goes on and on. South American countries, they're all following the same World Health template that we were conned into of locking down and destroying lives. Um, so I, I'm saying this is way beyond Trump. So in terms of optimism, I'd like to be optimistic, and we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping if, if this election, there's no you know, earth shake against this whole you know, COVID hysteria, uh, then you know we're looking at a dark, 
grim couple years in terms of just freedom, personal liberty, and again, they want to run all the small businesses in the ground and then give us all guaranteed incomes, keep the debt uh, high with the federal government, and then we're just going to be living exactly the way Bernie Sanders wanted. We're all going to be rel- dependent on the government. Well, That's we're out we're of headed time. This great reason. We're out of time, guys, and uh, thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, this is the Dr. Larry Show. Uh, signing off, uh, wishing uh, that God bless America, and uh, God bless uh, the whole uh, the whole electorate that we make the right decision. Thank you. Thank you.